Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index podcast here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. And no, this is not Matt Topolsky doing his very best British accent. It is in fact Andy Wales because Matt is understandably a man in demand. So he has a hectic schedule at the moment, so he's very, very busy. But he has very kindly asked me to step in and help him out for the time being. So I am honoured and privileged to be here with you all. And uh, Matt's usual broadcast uh, tag team partner, Mo Chatra, unfortunately is on holiday. So not only do you have a new host, but we've also got a new guest in the uh, shape of Guy Drinkle. So welcome along, Guy. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. It's good to be here for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Now, just a little bit of background for the uh, for the listeners. How long have you been a wrestling fan and what got you involved? It's probably it's a weird one because most people probably my age started with the Attitude Era. I, I didn't really catch any of that. I probably caught the back end of it. But the uh, Ruthless Aggression Era is probably what made me fall in love with the thing with uh, wrestling, really. But I'm sure as many people know in our WhatsApp group, um, Kane's kind of my favorite character and he's kind of the he kind of the character who hooked me into it um and his uh his mask uh his original unmasking feud with uh triple h rvd eric bischoff then kind of stone cold got involved that was kind of the that's like the most memorable storyline that's got me hooked into wrestling ever since i mean i had a bit of a break when like sheamus was the top guy in like 2009 and it was pretty crap but uh, since probably 2010, since CM Punk really, I came, came back into it and I've watched it weekly really. If Kane's your favourite character, you can't really complain too much at Sheamus, can you? Yeah, but Kane was never the top guy really, apart from <laughs> one night when he had the title belt and they'd lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing you. Now, so I've been a fan a bit longer than that, uh, too long for, for, my, uh, for my own good, I think. And Biggest point, talking point in the WWE right now, and probably in the business, is uh, the return after 12 years away from WWE of Goldberg. Now, I remember him first time round, and I've got to say, when it was WWF at the time versus WCW, I was on the WWF side of the fence, so I didn't watch too much WCW, and I wasn't, you know, I was kind of intrigued a bit. And when he came into WWE, I was initially kind of excited. And I've got to say, that excitement and that luster, well, it didn't last too long, put it that way. It soon wore off because he kind of got exposed for 
been very, very limited in the ring. And I don't think they handled him too well. So as as a as a fan, probably what were you probably around about the time that just before Goldberg came in or or um I, I remember him coming in. I remember yeah. him coming in, yeah. So I, so are you excited then for him coming back at this time, even if it is just for, for one match with with Lesnar? I am excited, but the fact that it's one match, it's like it's kind of similar circumstances they had last time when they had the biggest letdown in probably <laughs> history of the uh, business, seeing as the two of them, what form they were in when they had the original WrestleMania match, which kind of just turned into two minutes of looking at the crowd, which was kind of shit. But just this this time around, Goldberg, he's always been one that I've been interested in. I mean, I, I watched D, uh, WCW a little bit when it was like, I think it was TNT back then when I had, um, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it, it might have been NTL. I had that in my room when I was a kid. I think I watched it a couple of nights when it was like on stupidly late. And I, I, I remember Sting mostly from WCW because it was kind of memorable. But uh, mainly video games as well. I, I remember Goldberg, Goldberg from then. So when he came into the WWF back then, I was I was excited, but... As you said, he wasn't really he wasn't really booked properly. I mean, uh, properly, and he kind of got swept under under the rug in the whole evolution thing, didn't he? He kind of got buried by Triple H, is famous. Yeah, and um, and, and they had Goldberg doing comedy and and with Goldust and, and Goldberg doing comedy. It's like uh, is is Vince no. obsessed with comedy? <laughs> he's he's not one. Well, he's not a bad. He wasn't a bad talk. I mean, I think we saw that on Monday night. When, like, I know I was more raw emotion than anything. I mean, you could see him tearing up. I don't. Know, I don't know if he's that good of an actor. <laughs> I can't tell off his longest yard cameo when he's playing American football. But he, he wasn't too bad on the mic. But he's just one about raw intensity and just coming in and beating the crap out of people. Really, he's not one. Yeah, he's not. not one he's not a guy for. Yeah. No, and he's not. He's not a guy for a, for a, a complex, well, you know, structured match. A good, you know, wrestling clinic for no. twenty twenty five minutes, and you know, uh, and Brock Lesnar's not. You, you, you know, it's not going to put on a wrestling clinic either. But Brock Lesnar is very good at, you know, uh, believable fighting. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, he is a legitimate fighter. So he's always been very good at putting that over as well. And and I'm not sure. I, I just wonder how Goldberg can do in that sense, because I think people, there's going to be a buzz about this without a shadow of a doubt. There's going to be a buzz. I, I mean, the crowd reaction was, was, uh, mm. it was, it was pretty electric. It's got to be said. Uh, and yeah, like you said, he, he did handle it quite well. I mean, that's probably the longest I've seen him talking out there with a live mic. And I thought he did, he handled that quite well. Uh, interesting to see him going around, you know, high five in kissing babies and, and all that mm. carry on, you know, being, being the, the super John Cena <laughs> character, but, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I worry that it's what we could end up with is is a 15-minute replay of WrestleMania when Stone Cold ended up giving the stunner to the pair of them and they both got booed out of the building. But, that, I mean, I think in the context of, of the time is the fans knew then that both mm. were leaving the business, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, that, that was the problem with that. I mean, Brock Lesnar had, what was the point in risking him when I, I think, where did he go? He went to New Japan straight away, didn't he? Or did he have a little break? Oh, he, he had some up? time. Yeah, he had some yeah. time out before he ended yeah. up in Japan. He just, he just fell out of love with mm. well i don't think he quite ever in love as such but he just wanted out and he was not a happy camper 
and I don't think Goldberg was too impressed with how he was handled either. And I, I think I heard that they just pretty much made Goldberg win because they thought he might actually stay on. Which, well, we know in this case that probably Goldberg's not Goldberg. Brock Lesnar's the only one who'll stay on because I don't think UFC's open for him now. And he's getting a decent uh, wedge of money just to do four, like four or five appearances a year. So I can see Brock Lesnar winning this one. Yeah, the the only the only curious thing about it, I mean, it's it, it's a big build. I know the build primarily is around the fact that they're promoting the new um, the new video game. Mm. You know, the the two K seventeen WWE two K seventeen. By the way, Bill Goldberg, that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to come find me, um, I won't be home that day. I'll just point that one out. <laughs> so I know primarily the build is going to be around promoting that game. And that's why they're doing it, you know, so big and so early. But it's getting towards Survivor Series. And obviously it's making Survivor Series, you know, a really significant event, which in my, you know, in, in the days that I got into it, it was because there just was only you know, like four pay-per-views a year. So they all seem huge. But it's in a way watching Raw, you'd be, you wouldn't be sure, you know, if you switched in and out of Raw, you wouldn't be sure depending on which segment you're watching, whether the next pay-per-view coming up was Hell in a Cell or whether it was Survivor Series. I, I don't know how you felt about that. You know, are, are they are they building this too early? Should that, you know, should this have really sort of built in earnest in terms of, you know, seeing Goldberg and then seeing Lesnar in the ring, you know, straight after Hell in a Cell? I, I don't know how you feel on that one. It's it's a weird one because obviously they're, they're trying to portray the brand split and then you've got, Raw's got to build their own pay-per-view. Whereas SmackDown, they've got to be doing something, which obviously the Survivor Series is their next build. And then it's kind of it's kind of left Raw in a mess. It was already a mess, let's be honest. Um, but we'll go into that more, I imagine. But Raw's kind of confused. I mean, the goal, I think they've done, so far they've done it all right. I mean, we've had a we've had Paul Heyman on Raw, which is always a good thing. But the Goldberg thing was good. It may have been a bit early, but I imagine. It's working a schedule around Brock Lesnar, which may be the problem. I don't. I, that's just my thought. I don't know. I don't know if that that'll be official or anything, but I might be just trying to keep Lesnar happy. Obviously, he's meant to be on Raw next week, and then at, when when is Survivor Series? Middle of November, something like that. It's yeah. It's towards the end of November. It's yeah. around about Thanksgiving, so it's you know th- there's going to be there's something like three weeks between Hell in a Cell and survivor series so three four weeks so i just felt like maybe maybe mm. paul paul Heyman could have come out you know on monday and then bill goldberg could have been coming out the monday after hell in a cell and then mm. lesnar you know kind of, so really you're peeking towards the event that they're actually going to be fighting at because unless it actually happens i mean i find it difficult to envisage goldberg and lesnar coming to blows in the you know the, the three weeks before survivor series yeah well they're not going to do it at hell in a cell i mean that card's already stacked and then the women have been confirmed as the main event so it's not going to be there and raw <laughs> we'll probably see i think they'll have all this build up and then they'll have them on the same show the the uh couple weeks before and hopefully hopefully it's more like brock versus undertaker because that was probably the last best thing Brock was involved in, especially build-up wise, but it's it's the problem with Brock. I mean, I don't know how willing Goldberg is to do the schedule, but Brock seems to be. He comes on even when it's building against someone massive like the Undertaker. I mean, he had he had gaps hugely in between that, but when he was there, it was exciting. But hopefully, hopefully, we'll get to see them both in the building at one of the Raws before um, Survivor Series because it, it has the potential to be an absolute brawl. It, it certainly does. I mean, 
I personally, I like the way that, that Brock is used so so rarely. You know, it mm. keeps him, he is a special attraction. And because you don't see him week in, week out, he keeps that status of being a special attraction. Yeah. And that's what he is. And and for me, I know people want to see him more, but sometimes less really is more. And I think with Brock Lesnar, the less you see him, the more impact he has. And that's the way it should be because you shouldn't desensitize yourself to someone as as just someone someone as impactful as Brock Lesnar. So I, well, I, I, I guess his, we'll see how it goes. I enjoy Brock's scheduling, but I just think especially with um, Ambrose's comments on the Stone Cold podcast, is that, is that he just works with the talent that he's not familiar with more? Because that's how it seems. Like, he seems to want to... He seems willing to work with Undertaker because I imagine they've got a long-term relationship. I know he talked about how Undertaker and Kane let him travel with him when he was full-time and stuff like that, but he's not. he, he doesn't seem willing to work with people like Ambrose and stuff like that. So hopefully he has some kind of relationship with Goldberg that they actually work together properly. Yeah, I... I... I may be wrong on this, but I, I believe they are acquaintances. You know, they, mm. they get along quite fine outside the ring. So, right. yeah, m- maybe maybe uh, we'll we'll get a good contest out of this, and hopefully so. Now, you mentioned about Raw, and I've got my reservations about Raw. I think that's probably the nicest way of putting it. I've, I've been, quite frankly, I've been very disappointed over the last probably four or five weeks that the, the direction that Raw's been going Overall, as a show, I just feel that, you know, three hours or three and a quarter hours, it seems to drag a lot of the time. Mm. It's, I don't know that there seems to be so many storylines not really going anywhere. It, you know, it's it's like a three-hour show, but we've only got one or two, well, maybe two or three meaningful storylines. And and in between that, we've got lots of filler. Yeah. And it, it's a, it just feels like a show that's kind of lacking direction. Uh, but the one great thing, the one great, great thing on Raw, I've got to say, is the, the Kevin and Chris show. Or is it <laughs> the Chris and Kevin show? Jericho. Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Jericho. That's the tag team name. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's kind of, <clears throat> the, there's pretty, there's a lot of pointless storylines. I mean, I think the only one that is interesting everyone is probably the women's title. I mean, the WWE titles kind of, it's just rinse and repeat of all of Seth Rollins' title reign under the authority. It's kind of, it's just all repetitive stuff that we've seen with just different people involved. But the thing is, Raw has all the talent, apart, well, apart from AJ Styles, really. It just seems like the writers just don't know what to do with people. I mean, the the women, the women's just re- pretty much writes itself. You've got a heel and you've got a face. Then they're awesome in the ring. But other than that, I mean, they've wasted Bailey so far. So she can't. She's not really involved with anything. And Dana Brooke, she's kind of just a bit boring. The WWE title match, Jericho's overshadowing both Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, which is kind of funny. Then the tag team division's kind of just bought. It's just weird. I mean, the Sheamus Cesaro things. It has potential to go to be entertaining, but the new day maybe getting a bit stale for me. And then you've got the club. They they've just kind of they're just stuck in limbo after losing their feud with the new day, new day. They're not really doing anything. Uh, we'll talk about the cruiserweights later, I imagine. Uh, yes, but it's we'll, just yeah, we'll come it's to just not time. it's just not going anywhere with with any of the outer storyline. I mean, the United States uh, Championship's kind of just been the same. The matches have been good, but the, the builds kind of just been the same every week. Just a bit repetitive, and I, I could apply that to every other storyline. Yeah, I, the kind of the impression I would get actually 
is if you imagined SmackDown is written by wrestling fans, so to speak. You know, mm. writers who understand wrestling and obviously like the product, watch the product, you know, fans of the product. Uh, Raw gives me the impression that the writers are TV writers. You know, we get lots of backstage segments, re- really poorly acted backstage segment segments, by the way. Soap and opera crap. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. It's crap, even worse than soap opera crap. And the the cruiserweight backstage segments, just you know, you, if if it's not bad enough the way you're using the cruiserweights, doing awful backstage segments with them, please, please stop doing that, please. Go back and watch CWC. Just watch it. You know, writers, there was 10 weeks of it. Just go and watch it. That is how you present the cruiserweight division. It's just cringe. Uh, I mean, while we're we're talking, while we're we're mentioning it, let's just get on to the cruiserweights. We'll go back to the other stuff, the the cruiserweights. Now, I I watched the the full CWC program. Did you you catch all of it? All yeah. weekly, weekly. I couldn't wait for it. Exactly. That's how good it was. Right. Now, did you get caught up in that? How many backstage segments can you recall in there? Two, and they were both on the final. <laughs> now, when it was, I, Tommaso, well, when it was um, Champa and Gargano, they were talking about yeah. who they were fighting. That was yes, it. before they had their fight in the first round, they had one. Other than that, it was all in the ring. Yeah. Everything was in the ring. They were presented... The week before, we had little profiles. We had a commentator and a core commentator who knew, un- knew and understand wrestling, knew the history, knew the people, and, and in Mauro Ronaldo, of course. And then in Daniel Bryan, you have an ex-pro who was passionate about this division. He'd wrestled some of these guys. He was passionate. He got that across. Those two sold the product. The guys in the ring put on a great show. It was presented as a sporting competition, yeah, a sporting competition, not a soap opera, a sporting competition. Now, the fans, they're not idiots. We know it is predetermined, but we enjoy wrestling. That's why we're watching it. Yeah, That's why you get, you know, a couple of million people tuning in every week. They are fans and they keep going, but they only go so far and then bit by bit by bit, they're dropping off. What they want to see is entertaining good stuff you know good product good in-ring product and good out-ring product they don't want if they want to watch soap operas they'll switch they'll switch over and watch the crap that their girlfriends and wives whatever watch or or in fact in the case of female fans they, they might switch over and watch if their boyfriends want to watch it whatever but we're watching wrestling because that's what we want to see we you know we don't want to see all this crap behind you know, behind there talking or giving these hockey lines and back and forth it was it was real competition you've sensed there was there had to be a winner or a loser there was something to fight for and they all told a story in the ring and for me you know i i only knew a handful of them guys going into the competition and it was still compelling and i, I mean i've talked for a few minutes here what you know guy how did you feel watching that week in week out it was probably it's the best thing the wwe's done since NXT was kind of in its prime when you had like just everyone there. But yeah, every week it was just better. I mean, like you had Tajiri who, when I was younger, I didn't think much of. He was having world-class matches against some young guys. And then you had people I've never heard of like Kota Ibushi. Um, he, he was, he was just magic every time. And that, the, the, uh, 
My favourite guy, actually, for the CWC, who's not really... He's only had, like, one appearance on it, was Grand Metalik. I'd never heard of him. I think Lucha Libre has always kind of struggled to come across onto the main product, but he his his matches were never bad. I mean, it had everything from drama, not like crappy PG soap opera drama, but actual in ring drama of the, the the near falls that like you don't actually expect. It was just it was just everything. I think you you kind of fell in love with people that you've never heard of within an instant of a match. I mean, look at look at the drama that it produced with Cedric Alexander when Triple H came out. That that wasn't built on him being able to cut a promo. That was him giving it his all in the wrestling that yeah. was him winning over the fans with his performance not with and it, and it was authentic and it was organic yeah. mm. and, and that that is really something you know that he got across and it connected with the crowd yeah and they went with it they really did when they really did go with it and the thing as well i think is it wasn't you know that this this old sort of cliche idea of what cruiserweights look like and how cruiserweights fight you know what a cruiserweight cruiserweight match should be uh, and that for that they might go back to you know the the late 90s with wcw when they brought the cruiserweights in the way they're presented was was largely lucha libres you know mm. but but the great thing with the cwc it was such a contrast of styles yeah, you know there that. was strong style there was libre there was technical there were so many different styles that were contrasting but what you got was great competition wasn't it Mm. The fact is, you had you had weird, you had some weird looking people. I mean, like look at Zack Saber Junior. He would, if this was, I don't know, six years ago, th- he would never have been on WWE TV. I mean, with arms like that, he would never have been seen on a WWE TV. Let's be honest. And then you have got people like Jack Gallagher, who will never, I don't think he'll he'll ever come over on Raw. But his matches were entertaining. They were like they were just mastery of actual wrestling like what i think oh what's what's the other japanese wrestler called who isn't caught rabushi tozawa yeah his match against tozawa was excellent it was kind of, it was he prof- he prefer- performed comedy in the ring by using knot holds and stuff like that making his making his opponent get tangled in in holds and stuff like that. that's how you that's how you tell a story in a match not with crappy promos and vignettes it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, we're, stuff. yeah. We're, I mean, obviously, we we can go off on a bit of a tangent yeah. here, going, you know, expressing our love for the for the great great competition that was CWC, you know, and and you know what, congratulations to WWE Network and to Triple H for for everything they put into that, and as well, like I say, I think Maru uh, Ronaldo and uh, Daniel Bryan. I nearly said Brian Danielson, <laughs> Daniel Bryan. <laughs> They they were a part of that success because they were as much as what you know what was going on in the ring was great and the way it was all set up was great. They got that across to the viewer. You know you they can tell really, they were just two yeah, fans. Yes, but it, it the way they put it across, the way they sold it, it it just added value to the product and it was the whole thing together was fantastic and it was an example of it was like there you go WWE, you know it's all set for you, everything's in place, it's yours, you know that. It, everything is being done. That's how you present them. That's how you do it. And then they move on to Raw. And and this was my worry about them going to Raw rather than SmackDown. Uh, it just meant for me. It meant so made so much sense that they'd gone to SmackDown, where Ronaldo's a commentator. Daniel Bryan is uh, is your commissioner or general manager or whatever the hell they call it. And 
at least there's that connection, there's that history, they'll be able to get them over better. It's a shorter show, and they could do, seg- you know, the shorter, they wouldn't have to be drawn out segments backstage. You could present them in the ring. And I think it would have suited that show better than it would in Raw. Now, I understand what they're thinking. Oh, well, you know, we've got three hours to pad out for Raw. Well, you know, just throwing them out there and then trying to, oh, well, the, oh, how do we get people over? I know. Let's have them doing crappy backstage segments where they can talk to each other and, re- re- you know, regurgitate lines that are not natural to them. <laughs> and it's... It just doesn't work, and it's such such a crying shame to see how the cruiserweights are now on Raw as to how they could be presented, and it's just kind of indicative of of how Raw is as a product. I think you know there is just so much of this backstage stuff where people just they have no meaning. You know, the the you know they are delivering lines that have been written for them. Yeah, there is. You know it. You know there's no conviction there, nothing at all. And but the only the only people are really delivering the promos with real conviction are Chris Brian Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say is uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, and they are phenomenal. The pair of them together are comedy. That fantastic comedy, not the crap comedy that that WWE tries to uh, pursue so often. They are natural comedy, and they mix it well with the meanness. I mean, Chris Jericho gets has managed to get over pointing a finger and saying it. Yeah. I mean, and this whole thing, you, know, you just made the list, you know, and it's, it's so simple, board, but like, yeah, exactly. A clipboard is more over than Roman Reigns. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The absolute geniuses. My, my only, the only thing that's kind of, you know, hurting me and upsetting me watching them this past week on raw is that I, it feels like the tension is escalating a bit too quickly mm. and i and i think it's going to come to a head at survivor series and and i think organically it should take a bit longer am i saying that just because i'm enjoying it too much i think it's two things wwe has a history of rushing stuff that should happen organically look at everyone they've tried to put over since ever <laughs> and then yeah they can't sometimes they do build uh, try to hint things that aren't really there but this whole triple threat thing which they're trying to set up i mean i don't know if it's trying to just make a different angle on the rivalry between kevin owens and seth rollins and then having triple h and the authority and all that stuff there but chris jericho's this is his hottest run in wwe since probably his prime run when he came over from wcw um I think they're trying to strike whilst the iron's hot, really. Um, they're just trying to keep him involved in what might be the main event. Well, it's not the main event, is it? Um, so, you know, the women are on, but it's kind of, they just kind of keep that interesting. Whereas yeah. I think some people may, may not want, may not think it's holding its own at the moment, but it, it is, it is one of the funniest part or more entertaining parts, I should say, of the show. I, mean, yeah. it does kind of three hours, as you said, does, drag a lot i watching um smackdown and, and raw on record it's like i've never seen this many adverts in anything ever <laughs> but it, it's it's just i think they're just trying to keep things fresh and I, I hope they do stick together because them two together are kind of they've just got charisma they've got a connection they've got yeah just I'd like. To, I would like to see them string it out a little bit longer maybe maybe just use this as a little bit of a tease uh, and then look like they're going to be okay and then maybe 
maybe it all comes out and that they have a match at, um, at the Royal Rumble because I really do think these two could keep it going for that long. I you know, and you know, team. and using Chris Jericho as a way of of helping to keep the title on on uh, Kevin Owens because obviously Kevin Owens is the heel, you know, so he you've got to use him as that heel. In that you know he, he's always bending the rules. He's using somebody to get leverage, you know. Even if it is you know his comedy partner that, and the crowd love to cheer them. They do love them, but I, I love the way that Kevin Owens is is able to turn a crowd. You know that he'll he'll come out and they'll be cheering him, and then he'll just say a few things and turn on them, and he'll they'll boo him, and and it's almost as though they boo him out of respect for. But he's he's playing the heel, so they they like they accept their role that he's the heel, so we've got to boo for him. Uh, it's it's I think watching these two at the moment, they're phenomenal to watch. They are the great. My only little worry in in all of this is is Seth Rollins kind of getting lost a little bit in there because I don't think he seems too natural as a baby face mm. and and I think it, it's strange it's it's almost like WWE that you know it's there for them you know it's there on a plate but they don't take it they don't want to you know if you serve them the meal they don't want to eat it while you you know while it's hot when you've served them it they want to wait until not only has it gone cold not only has it gone off but there's there's mold growing on it and it's gone yeah. off. You know, it's it's six months old. This food, there's maggots in it. Oh, I want to eat it now. You know, and it's Seth Rollins when he came back. He was they the crowd went nuts for him. He mm. was a baby face there and then. So they immediately try and make him a heel, and it's it's just these kind of things. Instead of going with it, they try and go against the floor for a bit too much for me. And and I do, I I do have a little concern of of where of quite where Seth Rollins is going to end up with this because he can't take the, I, I don't think it's, it's right to be taking the title off Owens. And, and I don't think, you know, how does Seth Rollins get the title and be, and be a baby face? I mean, how can they do that? It's just weird. I mean, I think Seth Rollins obviously was, he was over as a baby face at one, at the later stages of the heat of the shield, uh, I should say, um, when they were feuding with evolution. And then he kind of, <laughs> he turned into the biggest heel in the industry of, in one chair shop. But, um, I, th- I can't remember if he was, he, I think he was a, a baby face in NXT before the shield, obviously. Um, but he, he does seem, he does seem like he's just stuck in limbo. Um, He's not really. He's not trying to appeal to the crowd. He kind of just comes in, distracts, or argues with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, and then kind of gets overshadowed, as I said earlier. I think pretty much they're just trying to set up for a Triple H feud. I mean, it's been rumored for months. It's been rumored since Triple H left and won the title. Since Triple H won the title, really, it's just. It's just not. It's just kind of waiting for that moment when you're going to have the pedigree match. It's just, I, I don't know, it's kind of, I'm not really bothered about Seth Rollins. I, his in-ring work's fantastic, I know. apart from the fact he injures everyone, apparently. Um, he is, he's fantastic in the ring, but his character is kind of just doesn't do anything at the moment. I mean, you've got Kevin Owens and Jericho, who are heels, but they're funny, um, but they don't really like the kind of, frayed relationship because they're just kind of there because funny and they're both charismatic. Seth Rollins just comes out and he kind of doesn't, he doesn't really say anything with any meaning. He's just saying stuff that he could have had it described as himself six months ago or before his injury. It, it's just weird. It's like, 
you can't see the irony in the fact that you're pretty much reversing yourself from a year ago. It's just weird. Yeah, the, 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 it's like the dynamic. It, it just doesn't quite suit yet. I, I, I think he's, in terms of his mannerisms, the way he presents himself, you know, in the, in the match, you know, how he's working the match, I think he, he's moving back into a more natural babyface role. But in mm. terms of what he's saying with the mic, that's that's where it's not quite sitting right at the moment. Mm. And I think he's maybe got to find his niche of where his character goes because, you know, trying to trying to do the comedy stuff, you know, the smart ass lines with with Jericho and, and Owens, it didn't yeah. sound right. It wasn't. I, I don't know. It just it didn't sound convincing. It, it didn't sound like that was Seth Rollins speaking. That sounded like a writer wrote them lines for him and he mm. just regurgitated them. Uh, and I think that's that that's something that's like, oh, you it's know. It's a bit cringy, isn't it? Is doing it? Yeah. You know, I think there was a bit where he was trying to get a chant going. Like, I can't remember if it was this week or last week and I can't remember what he was saying, but it was just sparkle like... Sparkle crotch, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sparkle crotch. And I was like, don't do it. You're too good for this. <laughs> this is how you get relegated to uh, main event. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, I mean, it may be that that this is, you know, that this this is the carryover. They'll have a triple threat at um, some point. You know, they'll have a match at Hell in the Cell, uh, Rollins and Owens, mm. uh, and then we'll end up with a triple threat at Survivor Series to get a full blown um, Jericho Owens feud, and maybe that will be where we then kick on and start to build towards Triple H and Seth Rollins actually having a match. Uh, and and maybe that will be the you know the the big mm. the big attraction for Royal Rumble. Maybe maybe that's where they're going with things. Mm. I think I think Survivor Series may need Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho to be head of team Raw. I mean them two on screen together it it's it's just a good thing. And I think their build towards Survivor Series could be built on I know the kind of hinted at a breakup but th- their charisma uh, their charisma together kind of could be needed in this team format where they're just going to be grabbing random stars and putting them together actually that that's you know what that that could be a very good point and and that may that may be where we will see them uh, rather than being in a triple threat perhaps it will be them to lead in uh, team raw and uh, things coming apart there uh, and, and while we're on that i mean you know that I think for me the brand split has been less than in you know the less not not particularly successful shall we it's been say good for one hour. so far <laughs> yeah it's it's it, I think smackdown here is is finding its feet now but I think raw is kind of losing its way but what about these matches then you know the there's the raw versus smackdown in you know the men's the women's and the tag team matches uh, is is this just does it feel a bit cliched or do you feel like you know, this is something you're looking forward to seeing. I am kind of looking forward. I am looking forward to seeing it, but at the same time, the build-up was kind of, oh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna challenge it at this match. It's like it is Survivor Series. It was always gonna happen. I mean, I don't think they normally had the free. I mean, the women's one obviously was always a laughing stock, uh, a laughing stock back in the uh, last few years, where it was kind of just Natalia, Summer Rae versus some random. Uh, group of heels and faces it's like okay but this time it seems to have meaning i I don't know if they'll have a women's championship match but raw obviously has the probably the biggest women stars i'd say they have the 
Charlotte and um, Sasha Banks. I don't know if they'll be actually involved in it. That's the problem. But the, the weird thing with Survivor Series is if they're having matches alongside um, these Survivor Series matches, because if Goldberg, Brock Lesnar is going to main event, I don't, I don't think they'll be having WWE Championship matches and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see SmackDown, who have a smaller roster, but they have a lot more um, over, ple- over people. It'll be interesting to see who they have in their five-man just single competitors. I mean, you could have anyone. Baron Corbin. He doesn't. He's a loner and all that stuff. I think he had an he had an awkward performance on Talking Smack um, the other night. So I don't know. I don't know if if that was a work or it's kind of just him being awkward. Um, I think it's an interesting point that you made there on on the women mm. because yes, Raw does have. You know, it does have the bigger stars of the women's division. That I mean, no two ways about that. Uh, Bailey, for me, is is the best women's wrestler in the company. I, for me, she is absolutely phenomenal in the ring. Uh, Charlotte is such a fantastic heel. She's great as a heel. She can't do the baby face side of it. No, <laughs> uh, I think I think her promos are improving now. Her promos are getting better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They're definitely getting better. Sasha Banks is tremendous in the ring. Um, to absolutely natural as a heel, getting better and better as a baby face, and her promos are starting to improve as well. Uh, you know, the three of them, they are absolute standouts, and and they've they've got um, Nia Jax there as well, and uh, Dana Brooke. So you've. You'd say there's more a more established there, you know, a more established division on Raw. But you look over on SmackDown and where they have a weaker roster, certainly in depth, and and I think on people who called up a little bit too soon from NXT, mm. that you know that it was like, well, you've got Becky Lynch, and that's about it, really. You know, as as real yeah. sort of established, you know, top level competitors. You know, you've got people who've been around and they've got a name, but actual top level in in that who could hang with um with charlotte and with sasha banks and with bailey and and that's becky lynch so but but what i would say is on smackdown you've got more than one storyline you've got a couple storylines and then you're kind of intertwining into maybe a third storyline and this is something that smackdown's doing better than what raw is doing raw seems to just focus on you know, on a few, on a handful of people. You've got Smackdown is, yeah, it's really kind of broadened itself out. So, I, I think that that women's match between Raw and SmackDown, if they do, you know, put all titles, you know, put title matches aside, get them all involved, which I should imagine they they will. Mm. That really does have the potential to be a fascinating, fascinating contest. I think they will have to leave the titles out of it. I mean, Raw. I- I don't know who you go to uh, other than the um, the two in the title picture now and then. N- N- where's Nia Jax gone? <laughs> They've just stopped building her for some reason. She's busy squashing jobbers somewhere, probably. Yeah, off screen. I, I, I don't watch main event and superstars, so it's probably on there where nobody keeps note. Um, and it's all wasted. And then we'll just have to... Well, I don't, I don't really mind watching Charlotte... Um, Charlotte, Shasha Banks, and Bailey fight each other year round. It wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. be too bad. But, but then you, <laughs> you mentioned, I mean, like, yeah, but like you spoke about earlier, was how Raw is quite repetitive, mm. and really, it's the four, it's the same four women fighting week in, week out on yeah. Raw. 
And, I mean, and what, it doesn't help with the page situation. I, I no, imagine no. she was the one underneath. But yeah, well, where's Alicia Fox? I mean, she's she's an all right worker. She's not the best on the mic, yeah. but she's she's not been seen apart from the Nia Jack squash match. Nia Jack yeah. hasn't been seen. I don't know where you go after that. Summer Rae, she's not been seen. Lana's <laughs> Lana's not a wrestler. Um, no, but then you go then you go over to SmackDown and they're they're alternating between people. You know, we've got this well established. A feud now between um, between Nikki Bella and Carmella, you know, and Carmella uh, both are limited in the ring. And Carmella's yeah. very limited. A call up was far far too soon, but you know the way it's been presented, it's got over. It has got over, not in a great way, but it's still got over. And and it it's just not, it's not a bathroom break. <laughs> no, exactly, and that's I think it's kind of indicative of the difference between Raw and SmackDown. So I mean, moving on to SmackDown, it's. It, it's it is a, a very thin roster, and that's shown by you know Kurt Hawkins, you know Jack Swagger. He's the worst know. thing about SmackDown, yeah. Kurt <laughs> Hawkins. Right, and he's it's, not even done anything yet. Yeah. You know, you you just look. It does not have depth, but it's still a, a better show to watch. You know, it mm. flows. It flows much easier. It's easier on the eye. It's better presented. You don't have so much time spent you know, backstage with all these crappy segments. Yeah. And and they have the guy who, for my money, is putting in some of the best promos this year. And and it will be a surprise for people who have seen him for many, many years because he was never known as a promo guy. But AJ Styles, not just phenomenal in the ring, pun intended, by the way, he is now <laughs> also phenomenal on the microphone as a heel. I think this guy is just absolutely killing it. He, he's the best. He's the best thing in the company by far at the moment. I mean, I mean, how how can you have that good of a? Well, well it's not. A, it wasn't really a match, but how can you tell that much? How that that good of a story with James Ellsworth? I, it was. It was like you couldn't take your eyes off it, even though you know what was going to happen. It was. It was just so interesting. I mean, it, uh, the promo thing, even on Talking Smack, the intensity that he came in. With you, it, it felt real, which is obviously all you can do with wrestling. It felt real how he's coming in blaming Daniel Bryan for him hurting this civilian who shouldn't be in the ring with this phenomenal athlete. He's just in a class of his own. I mean, John Cena's obviously more part time now, so you can't really have that. But Am- Ambrose has gone from being a rather lackluster WWE champion to being this interesting comical uh, face who's chasing the title now. And that I think that's kind of a good dynamic. I don't think Ambrose works as a champion, but someone chasing it, I think he works much better in that sense that he's chasing yeah. the title rather than. Do Do you like him defending. doing the comedy? Do you like Ambrose doing the comedy? Because I I thought Ambrose had the potential to become really hot, like uh, about eighteen months ago, and they turned him goofy. And uh, for for a for a period, I thought that the comedy worked to a degree, but. I don't like it in that it's it's just a bit too goofy for me. You know, like I can't take him seriously as a character. Um, I think in the current uh, storyline with James Ellsworth, it works. But I, I agree with you. Like after the whole, when when he won it originally, he was kind of he was the goofy one. I mean, he was taking the mick out of both uh, Reigns and Rollins at the time. 
And I think it works now, but in, in the bigger picture, it doesn't really work when you're champion, when you're trying to be taken seriously. But at, at the moment, it's, it's entertaining, but I think it will, I think it will grate on people. Uh, but he's, he's improved from the start of the brand split, and that's all you can do, really. I mean, you are, I think he does have to, if he is to be WWE champion again, I think he has to learn how to play a different role rather than just yeah. being the chaser. I, I agree. I mean, as a viewer watching watching the uh, the early SmackDowns after the brand split, I kind of felt as though Ambrose. It looked to me he came across as someone who was feeling the pressure. You know mm. that he, that he was he was the champion. He was the you know the main guy. He was carrying the brand. Mm. You know he he was he was the one that everyone looked to, and and it felt. I mean, it might just be in the way that you know he was, he was asked to portray, it, but it felt the vibes coming coming across the screen to me were that he was feeling that pressure and he didn't and he wasn't really comfortable with it and I and I'm and I'm just not sure where he was either he's not ready for it or he's not cut out for it or he just needs a change in character to really you know suit carrying that belt again. I think I think next time he's champion, it would be interesting to see a heel Ambrose as champion. Um, but I, I think with the original brand split, it didn't help that he was kind of just shoved in a feud. Not it wasn't even a feud; it was just a set up to a match with Dolph Ziggler, where it was kind of pointless. There was no story behind it, and then you obviously saw what they did with Ziggler and Miz, where it was kind of just perfection in wrestling writing. It was just awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the lackadaisical or the quick feud they had to put him in for SummerSlam didn't help with the initial brand split and then obviously once AJ Styles was in the title picture he was going to overshadow whoever he was against regardless of who it, who it was I mean he could he, he's overshadowed John Cena I mean Ambrose was never going to be able to hang with someone who's that liked and who's performing that well in all areas of professional wrestling yeah I mean you mentioned the Miz and Ziggler there and that that's a feud that's continued, and and I've got to give the SmackDown writers credit in that I was not. I mean, I I, I was I was on board with Ziggler about three years ago when mm. he was he was really good to watch, but I think like a lot of viewers, it was a case of I saw him beat too many times. Now they say yeah. it's wrestling, wins and losses don't matter. They do. You know, we're watching this. And most people who are watching wrestling, they're sports fans, you mm. know, and and wins and losses in sport matter. And if you see someone get beat week in, week out, they're a loser. You, you can't get behind them. What's, why would you emotionally invest in a character who loses every week? Mm. And he was losing week in, week out. He was the guy to get someone else over because he could have a good match. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe that he's going to win the world title just because he won one match. Yeah. No, sorry. Don't buy it. I, mm. I'm not, whatever it is you're selling, I ain't buying it. And it didn't happen, but they managed to turn that round and get me interested in a Dolph Ziggler match. They you know, brought and, that and, losing streak into the story, yeah. which, uh, made, which made it question the, well, not booking, but it kind of questioned him as a, as an actual wrestler. And then it kind of became, it just became better and more believable. Yeah, I think the killer line, the killer line was the madrasa and the elephant in the room in that, you know, when someone says, I'll put my career on the line. And it was mm. that, 
you know, you know, you don't go to NXT, you don't go to Raw, you don't take a thirty day sabbatical. I mean, I love the fact that they actually addressed all these things that yeah. do happen. You know, so many times we've said we've heard it, and that is what happens. And it was out there. It was not. This is a very clear stipulation, and and it was the rumors were that he was he was going to finish. So every, all of a sudden, people were like, "Ooh, this could be it," you yeah. know. And it's like, "Wow, this actually, you know what? This means something." And it takes it back to the cruiserweights watching the CWC. This match means something, and it's so simple. That's what wrestling's about. It's this match means something. You've got two guys. They've got a they've got a beef together. The only way they're going to settle it is to get in the ring. And it means something. There's something on the line. And it was his career and it was his title. And I wanted to see the match. Mm. And and it's like credit to the writers. I wanted to see a Dolph Ziggler match. And but and, and having said all that, but there is a big but is what's happened since. It's almost like Dolph Ziggler has gone back to the Dolph Ziggler that we've seen for the last three years except he's not losing necessarily losing week in week out he's just carrying the the intercontinental title so it's almost like what's what's changed it's kind it's kind of lost the passion to it i mean he's now saved his job he's got what he wants and he's kind of unless he's in it it doesn't help that the spirit squad's there let's be honest i mean that's kind of just comedy kind of just kind of watering down the storyline i mean if if the spirit squads are there to actually be a tag team and stuff like that, I mean, if they're going to feud with Beauty and the Man Beast or whatever they're called, so be it. But it doesn't really help with that being there. I mean, that I think that's the problem with SmackDown that they don't have this mid. They don't have a lot of people in the mid card to to have people in the Intercontinental Championship picture feud with whilst they're trying to build a storyline with someone else. I mean, I mean, they've brought Jack Swagger over. I mean, there's, there's Dolph Ziggler, then there's Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger's like a proper lost cause. I, nothing, I don't think anything is going to get me interested in Jack Swagger again. And then you've got people like Baron Corbin who can't really afford to be putting over the Intercontinental Champion at the moment. And then you've got Apollo Crews, who's already been buried many times by Baron Corbin. So it's kind of weird that they have to resort to combining the tag team division or the tag team champs and the Intercontinental Championship at the moment. It's kind of it's kind of showing the areas that SmackDown's weak in. But yeah, it's, still, I mean, it's still better than Raw. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally, I, I was I was almost I was half expecting to to see Ziggler, you know. Do some something like it, like a move towards a heel turn in, in you know, No Mercy to actually win the title. Mm. You know, him be like, you know what, I've Miz has been, you know, doing whatever it takes to win. Well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to save my career and win this title. And I thought there was that opportunity to even, even if it wasn't a full turn there, just to plant that seed, you know, and then maybe finish off the the feud with with Miz with another match, or maybe take Miz off in a different direction. And and continue that sort of turn of of Ziggler, of, you know that just mm. that turn in his character to make him a bit more interesting, making something different. That you know what, I've got I've done whatever it had to, I had to do to win that title, and now I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to keep it. it and and then he could have doesn't even have to be a full heel turn. Sorry, yeah, it just but you, gradual... it can just be someone who's not. I don't want to say Eddie Guerrero, but like how how he used to just cheat and stuff to win. You could have almost had something similar to that where it's kind of entertaining, but it's not 
it is cheating, but it's not heel cheating. Yeah. But th- then you could even have had like Ziggler taking on Apollo Crews and people might have actually started to care about Apollo Crews. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I, there are little things like that where I think maybe there is an opportunity lost. And then, but then you look on the flip side is, is where would Miz go? You know, he, he, he can't do Miz, face. He can't no, do no, he, he's, he cannot do baby face because people don't buy him as a baby face. And not, and I, I recognize that he's, he's very good at doing promos. I personally, I think he's a clunky, a bit functional in the ring. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a great in ring performer. I think he's, mm. I think he's quite good. He's reached a level with having Maurice at his side that's, you know, Maurice has really added something to his character. Yeah. And I think he's reached a level just by being that obnoxious heel because he plays that role so well that people do want to see him get beat. But I don't think he is, you know, main event level people wanting to see him get beat. I think in that mid card, I think that he, he, hand, he presented the Intercontinental title in the right way. I think he carried it in the right way. I wouldn't say personally. I wouldn't say he elevated it, but I think he certainly helped it, and he and he, you know, he he did give something to that title. But I won't go so far as to say he elevated it in a way that I would say John Cena elevated the US title. I mean, I don't know how you feel on that. Um, I think it's hard to elevate something like John Cena did. I mean, Miz isn't as big a star as John Cena, and obviously. I think the biggest part of John Cena elevating the US title is that he had the open challenge. Um, so you had you had all these new stars coming in and fighting one of the best, well, probably the best apart from AJ Styles in the company. Um, but I, I think he did elevate he did elevate it from what the Intercontinental Championship was. I mean, there was I can't even, who did he win it off? It must have been someone. I can't even remember, but I remember a time when he was feuding with Ryback and the big. Oh, he, he won it off Ryback, didn't he? I can't even remember. Um, but he was feuding with Ryback and Big Show, and I remember the times of that when the Intercontinental Championship it just couldn't even it couldn't even get on TV. I don't, or it might have been just when I didn't watch it on TV. Uh, it just it just diluted so badly. I think Miz he steadied the ship with it and he made it he made it important it i think it would have helped if it went on as the main event rather than brain or at no mercy um I, I i can i just say i wholeheartedly agree mm. i i cannot get my i mean for a start the title you know the wwe title should have been the main event regardless of mm. of debates and football american football matches or whatever the hell was going on elsewhere People wanted to watch the wrestling. They watch the wrestling because they want to watch the wrestling. And that's on the main event. That is the main event. For me, that's where it should be. But if you're going to flip it, put the Intercontinental title last because yeah. it had something, some meaning to it. Absolutely agree. Mm. I think that would have helped brought it to a new level. But I think I think what Miz did with the championship was, it was very important to it. I mean, mid the mid-card's so important to these shows and i think you've seen that raw's kind of it's done all right i mean you've got you've got reigns who was champion who was wwe champion a few months ago versus rusev who's probably one of the better potential heels in the company he, i don't think he's, his mic works pretty crap but his in-ring work is is pretty he's improved quite a lot since his uh, main roster debut so i think i think that's interesting the intercontinental championships it it's it's steadied now and it's something to build off i mean miz had some ph- uh, phenomenal storytelling i won't say matches but well the last match was phenomenal but the the storytelling um was different class and hopefully they build off it but 
it, it'd be interesting to see what they do after Ziggler, Ziggler versus Miz. I, I'm not sure where they can go, really, other than maybe Baron Corbin. Well, what about, um, you mentioned uh, Wyatt and Orton were <laughs> at the main event. Um, I don't know whether that'll be next. I mean, what's your take on this storyline between uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt? Because personally... I just I hate it. it. It's it's reminiscent of the of the early nineties kind of kooky stuff that they did, and you know there was so much amazing great stuff in the nineties, but this you know hokey kind of stuff is not not a great thing to be going back to the nineties for. I personally I, I absolutely detest it. Thing in the nineties, it was obviously it wasn't PG, so you had, uh, this was obviously later in the night, so you had The Undertaker crucifying people and stuff like that, whereas what, what's Wyatt going to do? Vanish and disappear and then bring in some big beardy bodyguard? Uh, <laughs> uh, that That's probably me being, doing Luke Harper an injustice, I mean, he is, he's a great worker, uh, but it, it, I like it because it's got Kane back relevant, <laughs> as I said, I'm his fan, but at the same time, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, it's not going to be the best match in the ring. Storytelling-wise, I think Bray Wyatt, how stale he's gone by losing every meaningful feud, it's not It's not the same as when it was when he was feuding with John Cena, when he was feuding with Reigns. It's just diluted down. And I think Wyatt, I think Wyatt needs to... I think he needs to win a title or something, or just go on a winning streak and dominate. Yeah. Um, but Randy, Randy Orton... Randy Orton can put on a good match, but it's not really it's not really the best storyteller. And no, it's kind, that's, it's kind that's of just my, a bit boring. Yeah, that's my problem with it. See, you know, I, I think Wyatt could go and, and win like the Intercontinental title, and yeah, maybe that will add something to Bray Wyatt. And and Randy Orton could have a, a title feud with AJ Styles and people would be interested and then they'd have some great matches. My thing is the the methods of the storyline that they're using, the hokey stuff, you know, the mirrors Mm. you know sh- shattering and all this you know, it just it takes me back to the undertaker against papa shango that kind of hokey crap you know and it's and it's like i'm cringing mm. you know it is it's, a bit cringy. It's, it's hard enough being a wrestling fan and the kind of stick you get from people because you are a fan of watching this stuff but when that comes on you know someone says are you a fan of this you know, <laughs> yeah. what your reaction would be? I had that be? with my dad. I have that exactly, with my dad. yeah. Your reaction yeah. is, uh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I don't watch <laughs> this. It's just, uh, I was watching something on the other channel. Yeah. It's crap. I just, it's like, I personally it's like on to NXT takeover. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've covered so much Raw, SmackDown. We've even touched on the CWC. Just before we, we, uh, we finish up here, Guy, are you excited about Hell in a Cell then? The three Hell in a Cell matches? I am. I am because obviously the the women are getting the main spot. So that should be a great match. Rusev versus Reigns. I mean, Reigns had a very good Hell in a Cell match versus Wyatt. Rusev's very athletic. I mean, there could be a few good spots in there. And then Owens versus Rawlins, they're both excellent workers. Will I don't know if they'll go really physical in that. Let's see how Jericho goes into it, but... I think they'll all be excellent matches. That That's basically the bottom line of it. The builds to them haven't been the best, but the, I think the matches will all deliver. And then the other matches that will be introduced, I don't know what they'll be, the tag team matches. Um, Cesaro versus Sheamus and New Day won't be the best. Uh, I think they'll just try and build off this. It wouldn't surprise me if Cesaro and Sheamus win just by like accident, and then they kind of build off that, which will kind of be a 
disappointment end to New Day's massive reign. But uh, Hell in a Cell overall, I think it'll be a good show. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're looking forward to that one. And uh, hopefully here on uh, the, the Pro Wrestling Index, here on the Anfield Index podcast channel, uh, we should be able to bring you a preview of that event next week, full uh, and in-depth preview with all our predictions and uh, more besides so uh, before we uh, before we head off into the sunset guy is there anything you'd like to plug and uh, how can the listeners catch you on twitter firstly it's uh, at guy drinkle on twitter and uh, i imagine i'll be on pods throughout next week so it'll probably be the academy pod and probably be fan- uh, fantasy football and I, there isn't a one-up in the pipeline yet but i think there will be in the next coming weeks next couple of weeks so just keep an eye out on the academy and one-up especially okay well i've got to say thank you for joining me here tonight uh my pleasure it's been fun yeah it's been fun chewing the fat of uh, all things wwe listeners thank you so much for uh for tuning in so uh hopefully uh, here on the pro wrestling index we'll we'll be back next week deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.